Hey, it's the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, and this is Casey McLean. I'm recording this in my dining room, and I want to talk about uh, some stuff today. No guest. I've been trying to get uh, Harry Riley on, past past guest, friend of mine, Spokane comedian, interesting guy. We did a show together, and now by the time I get him on, maybe I'll just have forgotten the show existed. But we did a show together that I wanted to I want to talk to him about Harold Harry. He's been uh, like traveling over Idaho taking pictures. If you go check his, uh, he has a photography Instagram, I believe called Harry Riley Photography, where he's got the biggest goddamn lens I've ever seen in my life uh, out in the wilderness of Idaho <clears throat> doing some uh, some nature photography, which is pretty cool. That's some shit that he's into. Um, I just got back from Tucson, Arizona, which if you are interested in hearing more about how my trip to Tucson went, I do have uh, I have a sub stack for this podcast and I talked about it in depth. Work with a dude named Charlie Weiner, very nice guy, uh, on a retirement tour. His last tour of the country, kind of an interesting dude. He's uh, he is, um, he says a fifty year comic. I'm gonna try to get him on. I meant to get him on. Uh, I think I say this on the Substack. I wanted to get him on here. And I feel bad that I didn't because this dude is 70 years old and he's in the middle of his last tour of the country, he says. And, you know, I'm not going to, I probably won't. There's, it, it's incredibly unlikely I will get the chance to work with him again. And he's got some, uh, I'm going to try to get him on the phone, but that's not the same. But instead of, uh, instead of me, recording a conversation with him, which I should have done. I We ended up the uh, Friday night I was there, which there was a little bit of a saga uh, getting to the to the condo, the comedy condo, which I detailed on the Substack also. But Friday night, we get done with the shows, come back to the, to the comedy condo, and we ended up talking until like four in the morning about comedy shit. And then he had to go visit some uh, some family members of his that live in Arizona, and I was hungover because I drank and talked until four in the morning, and so I didn't wake up in time to do a podcast with him. I did wake up in time to go golf, but and that's all. If you're into that shit, it's all detailed on the Substack. And there's some road hacks content coming from Tucson, Arizona, but it's not gonna be out for a couple months. So don't don't. I mean, rush over, fucking subscribe, but don't expect to see Tucson up there right away. Um, okay. So I guess the lead, the top sports story in the country right now, the most important story is the unfortunate passing of Mike Leach, who, man, what, uh, Mike Leach is, you know, like a one of one type of oddball college football coach. Um, he's, he was one of the architects of the air raid offense, which he, you know, took to these like kind of non-traditional, these programs that aren't traditional college powers. And uh, he, you know, really turned those programs into relevant programs. Um, Texas Tech was like a ranked team a lot of the time he was there. 
Washington State was a was a better team than anyone expected a lot of the years he was there. I think I saw his last like four or six years or something like that at Washington State. They won eight games or more and won 11 one year. Um, and he did it all with like this kind of this offense that just exploited the way that defenses play. Exploited not only the way the defenses play, but the way that college football specifically does a very bad job of adapting. College sports, sports in general, football especially, they do a very bad job of adapting because, uh, I mean, some of it is like out of practicality, right? Like you're not going to teach kids to, to cover five receivers you're not gonna you're not gonna teach there it's rare that it's what what exactly let's i'm gonna describe an air raid offense from wikipedia so that we have a better idea in practice it was a lot of basically like a running back is either in the block or into catch passes not much of a running game and then a lot of passes close to the line of scrimmage <clears throat> but let's look up what uh Wikipedia says that in American football, the air raid offense refers to an offensive scheme <clears throat> popularized by such coaches as Mike Leach, Hal, I think, Mummy, Sonny Dykes, uh, Tony Franklin, during, oh, and Tony Franklin during their tenures at Iowa Wesleyan University, Valdosta State, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Louisiana Tech, and Washington State. You could probably put uh, Mississippi State on there, which is um, Mike Leach's, unfortunately, his final coaching job. The system is designed out of a shotgun formation with four wide receivers and one running back. The formations are a variation of the run-and-shoot offense with two outside receivers, two inside slot receivers. The offense can also use trips formation, featuring three receivers on one side of the field and a lone receiver on the other side. Oh, the air raid is notable for its focus on passing. As many as 65 to 75% of the calls during a season resulted in passing play. The quarterback has the freedom to audible to any play based on what the defense is showing him at the line of scrimmage. In at least one instance, as a result of the quarterback's ability, as many as 90% of run plays called in a season were chosen by audible at the line of scrimmage. Um, okay. Well, you can go read that if you want to. I don't need to read the whole Wikipedia page on the air raid offense. But the air raid offense is... Uh, it's kind of the extreme version of these like kind of college spread offenses that we've started to see reach the NFL. The kind, by the way, that like... It's the kind of thing where every... Every... Uh, you know, every evolution of offense in college football, people will go, well, that won't work in the NFL. And then they always make it there. The best ones make it there, right? Uh, the spread offense, um, what's the, is it Air Coriel, the, which is, I think, the, like, basis for some of the stuff the Patriots have done over the years. Mike Leach, though, was, so he's kind of always been, for years he was rumored to be a candidate for University of Washington coaching jobs and he's just like a fucking weirdo which in a fun way he's into pirates and history and he's got these like quixotic answers to interview questions he's I imagine he's like a tough guy to interview was a tough guy to interview uh he he 
But yeah, that dude was like like a fucking nut job in a good way. In a good way. A guy that like you answer a question expecting like a cliche and he responds with a an essay about the Middle Ages or some shit like that. Um He also so he was unpopular. He you know, he's he's a little bit too of a uh, mercurial and Bobby Knight like figure. He actually coached at Texas Tech at the same time as Bobby Knight. He had a life-sized pirate in his in his office at university or at Washington State University. There was a gift from Bobby Knight when they coached together. This is what I read this morning. Uh Yeah, he he was if I was more prepared, we'd play some like best of clips. So Mercurial, I would say like divisive. Um, at Texas Tech, he got fired because of his mistreatment of a player who had a concussion. At Washington State, I did see, by the way, I think Washington State had their first tight end this year since like the early Mike Leach years, maybe, when there was just tight ends on the roster that hadn't transferred yet. Um yeah, so just like a goofball, a weirdo, and I, I like that. I like a dude that's going against the grain. He was unpopular for treating that player poorly who had a concussion at Texas Tech. He was controversial at uh, Washington State. He just had a player leave Mississippi State and, like, you know, talk some shit on his way out the door. I'm actually interested. Who's that? I wonder if that dude has been a little gracious on social media since or deleted his statement. But it was basically like, Coach Leach doesn't think I'm tough. Well, I'm going to go figure out a place where they think I'm tough enough. And then uh, Coach Leach, a couple days later, dies. Um, yeah, I I think that the, the other thing that made him controversial, and it's interesting because I feel like there's a version of this dude that just is not understood by the like is not understood by people of my generation and younger necessarily or probably just younger than my generation and that's a guy who it's like do you remember when the championship team used to go to the White House no matter who the president was and now it's like these guys have to make political statements all the time and this isn't like a shut up and dribble thing. I'm not saying that these guys are even doing the wrong thing. But there's these guys who are like, it doesn't matter who the president is. It would be an honor to meet the president. By the way, I'm kind of one of these guys. I think Donald Trump is maybe the like rare exception. I think he's a fucking moron. But if Mitt Romney had been elected or... Uh, John McCain had been elected, and I was a professional athlete, and we won a championship. So we're in, we're deep into hypotheticals here. We're deep. We're we're years and echelons of talent deep into an unrealistic hypothetical. But if my team was going to the White House, I'm going with my team. If my team wasn't going to the White House, I might be going with my team. I kind of this is kind of my like. I'd, I'd love to hear if anyone disagrees with this, but, uh, wait, no, did I say I was going? No, if my team wasn't going to the white house, I'm probably going to the white house. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm a fucking turncoat. It doesn't matter. By the way, if you're in baseball, there's a lot of guys in baseball that do not like Barack Obama. So uh, I would have gone during those years, even if my, even if my, uh, my baseball team decided not to go. Um. Anyway, Mike Leach. You got the reason I even bring this up. Sorry, I'm distracted. My wife is texting me. My daughter, so I'm sick. We have a, uh, uh, you know, we're in this this time where it's like, if one of us got COVID right now, it might fuck up Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, it's getting close. Anyway, we're in those crunch times. Um, Mike Leach wrote like a letter to Donald Trump, maybe a congratulatory note or whatever. And, uh, God damn it. I want my phone, but I don't want to fucking deal with a bunch of texts. I want to be able to look shit up, but I'm fucking, I got 48 texts coming in. Can't have all these texts. Don't people know when I don't tell them that I'm podcasting? Mike Leach Trump Um, yeah so Mike Mike Leach talking about Donald Trump's impeachment said I'm yet to hear what he did he did wrong that's that's this is a headline um Let's see. Ooh, apparently in what year? 2010, Donald Trump was pushing for Mike Leach to be the next coach at University of Miami. These guys have an intertwined relationship, okay? <laughs> um, Mike Leach, note. Um, anyway, I think he sent him a congratulations. Who gives a shit? What am I doing? I've been thrown off. I've been thrown off by this, by this text message. Uh, Mike Leach was entertaining. And to me, like, we, I don't need to know the political affiliation of everybody. Actually, my preference would be that Mike Leach didn't talk about it. I'm working on a joke about this, but my preference would be that Mike Leach did not talk about his politics. I'd rather not know. I don't need to know. I don't want to know his opinion on society. Except for, I mean, I, but again, it's like, what if you take away part of that, you know, I get the crazy historical quotes and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to tame the lion, but also sometimes the lion doesn't need to roar, right? Okay. It's, so rest in peace. Uh, I don't know if I said that. Mike Leach died of a massive heart attack in Mississippi. And it's sad. It's sad and it's one of those things where like, I feel like for sports reasons, because of sports shit, there's going to be people who are happy he's dead. We're in this time where it's like, it is cool. It's almost expected. If your political or sports enemies die, you're expected to be happy about it. Um, this FTX thing has been happening. Sam Bankman freed, defrauded a bunch of customers. I wasn't one of those customers. I have been someone who 
I've lost like uh, half of a very small crypto investment. Um, let's see, actually. My... I own 0.01 shares of Bitcoin, which is now worth $186, down 54% since I bought it. I own uh, 2,872 Dogecoins, worth uh, $259, down 58% since I bought it. That's actually the one where I could have made some money at a point. I bought it and it reached, what was its its peak? I remember I was buying it at the same time as I was getting my COVID vaccination, which was, it's just one of those weird mental connections you make. But yeah, how high was it then? At a point it had reached over 50 cents a share. Now it's down to 9 cents a share. I own... 2.86 2.86 Ethereum coins. I guess I call them shares. These are coins, I guess, is what they're called. Uh, worth now $54, down 65%. And I own, this is my favorite one. I own 76,625 Shiba Inu coins. Worth. <laughs> let, me re- let me repeat that. 76,725, 76,625 Shiba Inu coins worth 69 cents, 69.8 cents, down 64%. So I've put into Shiba Inu coin about $2 and I'm losing my ass, folks. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess that, that puts me down like, a total of over 50%, a total of, I guess, probably around 500 bucks. It's fake money. <laughs> it's, it's literally fake money. Like, but also I, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty disciplined investor where like, I'll, I'm just going to let that shit run till it, till the wheels come off. It's so far down that like my best option is to just, you know, there's a non-zero probability that crypto will return to some some fraction of its former self and that it would, the best move will be to hold on to it. But FTX defrauded a bunch of customers and I don't really care to talk about that. I don't I don't know anything about Sam Bankman-Fried except for like shit that I've heard newscasters say or whatever. What I do know is they're suing people who endorsed FTX. So Tom Brady, Larry David, a bunch of these other people. And I I I don't know what the like legal precedent for this is or the legal standing of this kind of a because I don't think anybody would tell you that by endorsing is endorsing even the right word being a spokesman for I guess it is an endorsement. Nobody thinks Larry David or Tom Brady or Giselle Bunchen or any celebrity is some crypto expert. And my understanding of this type of case, which is I've taken one law class in my life, was actually very useful, but 
is that there would have to be some, and I've, I have watched a lot of Law and Order, so there is that. But I think there'd have to be some reasonable expectation that the advice coming from Larry David, Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen is advice from an expert. I don't think anyone feels that way. So that feels like a money grab, a publicity thing, uh, uh, an opportunity to get some some cooperation from these celebrities who might make this case a little more high profile. Maybe even get some public insight into how those endorsements came to be and maybe that kind of... But again, it's, it feels to me like personal liability for... You know, yeah, I guess like what is the... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, actually. I guess like if you put your name on... Does George Foreman have liability? He probably has some ownership of the George Foreman grill, but does he have liability? Well, that was quite a segment. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is Russell Wilson because the Seahawks lost. Russell Wilson uh, and the Broncos also lost. If the season ended today, the Seahawks would have the number two overall pick. Russell Wilson has been dealing with injuries all year. And in the game on Sunday, he suffered a concussion. And I don't root for any player to have a concussion. I am also like, I still like Russell Wilson. But it reminded me of the very funny... In 2015, Russell Wilson also supposedly got a concussion. And he cured his concussion with Recovery Waters nanobubbles. Speaking of people endorsing things that they are not experts of, Russell Wilson claimed that he avoided a concussion or maybe cured a concussion because of Recovery Waters nanobubbles. And for a brief moment, nanobubbles were a thing that we talked about. Huh? In Seattle, we talked about them a lot, but it was like, oh, is this these things actually... People would go... Russell Wilson's probably full of shit, but these nanobubbles are actually good. Like I, I found some articles the other day that were that to that effect also that are like, yeah, this is bullshit. Obviously, what Russell Wilson's saying is bullshit, but nanobubbles, nanobubbles had a moment, and they they could not grab onto that moment. Have you? When's the last time you encountered a nanobubble? I haven't seen a nanobubble in decades. Uh, the you know the other th sad thing for Russell Wilson and for the Denver Broncos is Russell Wilson was actually having a good game was having a vintage Russell Wilson game he had thrown two or three touchdowns I think no interceptions 250 ish yards gets you know gets this concussion and the it might be the end of the season for Russell Wilson if you're the if you're the Denver Broncos it might be time to shut him down you got a quarter billion dollars coming to this guy. You want him to be healthy. You don't want him to be getting a second concussion in a season. Also, there's a great account on TikTok, Instagram. I don't remember what the guy's name is, but he's doing a countdown of Russell Wilson touchdowns compared to Russell Wilson bathrooms in his new home in Denver. And it looks like if Russell Wilson, I believe, just hit double-digit touchdowns and has 12 bathrooms in his house, 
And so if he doesn't play again this year, he will not have thrown as many touchdown passes as he has bathrooms. All right, it's going to be a short one. Uh, big plans for post-holidays. We're going to get some multimedia. We'll get some videos. You'll get to see inside my house, et cetera, et cetera. But thank you for listening to this podcast. You're a, you're a true warrior of truth. <laughs> That feels like it's got to be racially insensitive in some way. Uh, Thank you for listening, though, and I will talk to you later.